Reader's Entertainment Radio presents Book Lights with your host, author Lisa Kessler. Book Lights, where we're shining a light on good books. Hello, everyone. It's Halloween time. I'm so excited. I'm wearing my my Evil Queen leggings today. It's my time of year. And (laughs) if you haven't listened to the show before, during the month of October, I always have on horror authors, um, thriller writers, uh, sci-fi, fantasy. You know, I want people who are doing things that are a little out of the norm because it's Halloween, it's fall, it's the time to dress up and be something that you aren't. Um, (laughs) So I'm super excited today because last year we had Veronica Scott on and she came back this year because she has a really special sci-fi romance Um, anthology that she does every year to raise money for a really good cause. So I'll let her tell you more about it. But if you haven't read USA Today bestseller Veronica Scott's work yet, I will read her bio for you. Veronica Scott grew up in a house with a library at its heart. Dad loved sci-fi and mom loved ancient history. And Veronica thought there needed to be more romance in everything. When she ran out of books to read, she started writing her own stories. She's a seven-time winner of the SFR Galaxy Award, as well as National Excellence in Romance Fiction Award. Veronica is also the proud recipient of a NASA Exceptional Service Medal relating to her former day job, not her romances. You can read part, um, she also read part of the Star Trek crew member in the audiobook production of Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever, and I'm totally going to make her tell that story again because it's really cute. But um, (laughs) I did put links to her blog, her Twitter, and her Facebook. And for the readers out there, you definitely want to check out um, Veronica's website, her blog, um, because every week she puts out um, new releases that come out for paranormal, fantasy, sci-fi type romances. So if those are your jams, you definitely want to um, check out Veronica's blog. So without any further ado, are you there, Veronica? I'm here. (laughs) Yay. Oh, it's Welcome to your back. Own bio. It's like, thank you. Thanks for having me again. Appreciate it. So yeah, this yeah, is the fourth so, year for Pets in Space. Yay! That is so fabulous. And tell everyone who hasn't heard about it before what what is Pets in Space? Because I thought this was such a clever, fun idea. Well, a few years ago, one of my friends, Pauline Jones, another author, we thought it would be cool to put together an anthology of science fiction romance stories that also featured a pet. So sort of like Lassie in Space, you know, not the steamy pets that you might find in steamy, steamy romances, but actual pets. So we call it cats, dogs, and other worldly creatures because some of the pets are, you know, pretty alien And every year we invite a group of authors to join in with us, and everybody writes, you know, anything from a short story to a novel. We've had all different lengths. This year we've got, I think, 1,500 pages in the anthology. It's only available as an e-book. And, um, you know, we just, we have a good time writing our stories, and our primary goal is to support our charity, which is called Hero Dogs. It's um, a nonprofit organization in Maryland that provides service dogs to veterans in need and also first responders. And so we picked them because we wanted a pet, you know, animal-related charity where our 
contribution would be able to make something of a difference. And so far over the three previous years, we've donated over $7,000 to them. So we're pretty excited about that. That's amazing. Yeah, very yeah. cool. And yeah. are all the the stories in the Pets in Space, they're all originals. So oh, yeah. readers are yeah, going to get something new. Before. Right, nice. yeah, that's one of our things we insist on. and So that makes it kind of fun. And, you know, we have authors like Susan Smith and Anna Hackett and Tiffany Roberts. and They write, we all sort of tend to write a new story in one of our existing series, but you don't have to have read the series. In fact, our pet story can be a good introduction to the series. So I have an interstellar cruise liner called the Nebula Zephyr, and I set my stories on it. It's kind of a love boat of the far future outer space. And uh, every year we go back and we revisit it, and this year um, fits in with your October theme because my story this year is Star Cruise Idol's Curse. So there's a cursed idol. Oh, my pet is a little nice. alien dog. Yeah, he's really kind of darling, actually, but he's he's darling to look at, but he's formerly a military dog, so he has all kinds of skills that you wouldn't maybe expect. So yeah, the romance <laughs> is between the cruise director and one of the other officers on the ship, and they get thrown together during the cruise while they're trying to counteract this idol's curse. So, you know, excitement, adventure, romance, science fiction, and a pet. I love that. So your whole series is is like the Love Boat in Outer Space? That series, yeah. It's called the Star Cruise series, and there's, I can't remember, five or six of them separately, published separately. And then each year I do a story for this anthology and add a new book. So I have other right. science fiction series going, but the one that fits the pets best is the Star Cruise. Fun. Do you see that the do the pets that come up in the pets in space are they like continuing characters in the series? Do we get to see them later? Well, in my series, they are. Um, some of them will show up from time to time in the other books. There's like a ship's cat, and there's an alien creature that's kind of crossed between a tribble and a red-tailed panda because that's my favorite animal personally. Those were in the first book <laughs> that I wrote for this for the Pets in Space anthology, and so they tend to show up little bits here and there. You know, you're trying to tell a new story, but, yeah, you do want to let the readers see some of the favorites from the past. So. And then a couple of the other pets, their owners have, you know, gotten married and left the ship, and so we don't really see them anymore. But Moby the cat and the other alien pet, they're always there somewhere. <laughs> So when you did you you saw Captain Marvel right? No, actually I the haven't. Movie. You haven't seen it no, yet. No, but my entire oh. family has. Okay, well I don't want to spoil it for you, but you have to go see Captain Marvel because there is an alien cat in there, I've and been told, and you really yeah. need to see it. <laughs> yeah, people have told me it's a wonderful cat, so I'll get there some point. I'll go with one of my grandsons. Okay, we'll enjoy it. So. <laughs> now, if you come back on next year, I want a full report on what you thought about uh, the alien cat in I'll, Captain Marvel. I'll definitely have to report, yes. <laughs> yeah, it's also kind of fun. We have every year we have an artist do sketches of our pets for us, which that's kind of oh, interesting since pets only exist in our head, you know. So you're you're trying to describe right. it well enough to an artist, 
And um, I think this year's sketches turned out really well. They're very, very cute. So we put those on our webpage, and we put them in the ebook itself. So, you know, you have the character, the animal yeah. character at the start. Yeah. And so that's just the extra little, adds a little extra fun to see, okay, and this is what she was visualizing when she was writing this alien dog. <laughs> see what he looks like. <laughs> yeah. That's so cool. And um, the charity that you guys are donating to the Hero Dogs, um, mm-hmm. Do they, I mean, this is your fourth time doing it, so do they get excited? Do they help you guys promote the, the anthology and get new new sci-fi readers out there? Well, they do. They, you know, the first year I think they were kind of polite and, you know, it just didn't really resonate they with them. Know, yeah. Okay, And they were actually going to make some money from this, you know, but we gave them a really hefty donation the first year from the sales. And this year, yeah, they were very excited, and they've, um, they've support. You know, they're a charity, so they can only do so much. But they've tweeted and they've put right. it on their Facebook. I love and it. Posts and, yeah, and kind of fun. One of our authors, Lori Green, she and her husband are involved in breeding racehorses. So there was one of her mm-hmm. racehorses that she said if he won his first big race, they would donate their part of the purse to the to the charity and he did win the other day so we even have wow. an earthly racehorse supporting the uh, charity yes, fun. <laughs> no, that's very cool how did how did you guys find hero dogs well when, when pauline and i decided to do the um anthology and we wanted a charity and we knew we wanted it to be animals or pets related and we wanted to support veterans because that's very important Many of us, the authors, have some connection to the military or to veterans, or you know. So those were our two goals. So I I went out and you know did the old infamous Google searching, and we right. put in the factors that we were looking for. They were one of the charities that came up, and they have you know videos and they have a website, and we were just very impressed by them and the work they do and how seriously they take all of this, you know, and training the dogs to be the right helpers depending what the veteran or the first responder needs so it just seemed like a really good fit to us you know we wanted to do a charity again where we would feel like our contribution was actually making a difference you know not just right one in millions of of donations we wanted to be able to feel like okay yeah we really accomplished something (laughs) so yeah yeah i love that and and this has sort of become an annual tradition for you because this is the fourth year you've done it, right? Do you see yourself, yeah. are you guys going to keep it going? Well, every year Pauline and I say, you know, we're not going to even talk about it until January, and then, of course, we talk about it anyway. And about somewhere in <laughs> the end of August, we're both kind of worn out because there's a lot of work to be done behind the scenes, and we're all like, oh, my God, we can't do this again. And then the book comes out, which we did on October 8th, and it's all exciting and it's fun and the readers are enjoying it and giving us comments. And it's like, oh, well, maybe we will do this again. So I don't know. We'll have to see. It depends. Oh, well, well, it to be able seems, to find... seems like, you know, a big fifth year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we would like, you know, we have a website. Then we have a trademark on the name of the anthology. I mean, we've set ourselves up to be able to continue to do it, but it also depends on finding a good, mix of authors that are available and want to write a pet story for the year you know there's a couple authors I've had to chase for you know maybe two years in a row to be sure that I can find a space on their calendar when they're 
available to write a story for us. But authors in general, they seem to find it really um, kind of intriguing to write a story set in one of their universes, but add a pet into it. It's sort of a fun thing when you think about it. So Anna Hackett yeah. has a series called Galactic Gladiators, and now she's been with us for two years. And I you know, I believe I can safely say for her that it's been fun figuring out how she could work a pet <laughs> into that. <laughs> a pet into like the gladiators. Yeah, yeah. It's just sort of a fun. It's a fun challenge. You know, writers, you 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 write just as much as we do, and it's fun to have a really different writing prompt. It's like, ooh, what can I do with that? You know. So. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, sometimes it's really fun when somebody throws something at you to figure out, could I make that work? Yeah, it, yeah. it is fun. It sends your mind in different directions, and yes, it's a good refresher for the creative muse. Originally, we just wanted to do short stories, but I've, I don't manage to hit my word target, so this year, last year and this year, I ended up writing a novel. So it's it's a but the stories in the collection are all different lengths. So we have novels, we have short stories. People seem to find nice. it a good a good read. You know, they can read one and put it down and come back later and read another one. And yeah, yeah, yeah we're really excited. It's yeah. doing very well. That is kind so of so cool. So. So I always, whenever I have you on, I always enjoy hearing about your writing journey because you write sci-fi and you actually worked for NASA. So, so yeah, how I worked did at, you go um, from? Well, I always wrote, even as a little girl. The first story I ever wrote, I wrote when I was seven years old. So I just always wrote stories. I wrote through junior high school and high school. But at the time that I grew up, Really, there was no encouragement that you could ever make a living as a writer. So I went to college, and I got my business degree, and then I went to work for the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, which is a NASA center, and uh, worked there for a very long time, 35 years, in the business side of the house. I don't have the head for physics and all that math, but I'm really good at business, if I do say so. Mm -hmm. And every project needs people to handle the business for them, you know, so... Yep, so I, I never stopped writing, and then by the time I had an empty nest, you know, my children had left, gone to college, left, Then I thought, okay, if I'm ever going to try and make a living at being a writer, now is the time, because I still obviously had a right. day job salary at that point. So, yeah, and then Karina Press bought a story from me. It wasn't science fiction, but it was, you know, paranormal, and I got published, and so it was like, wow. And then I just kept writing and writing, and fortunately I found a reader group that seems to really enjoy my sci-fi romances, and just took off from there. I have 35, somewhere around 35 published books now. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. So So at some point, you know, after I could see that the writing career was actually going to succeed, And I would be able to support myself. You know, I don't live grandiosely, but I support myself. I transitioned Mm -hmm. out of the full-time day job into a full-time science fiction romance author. So, yeah, that's awesome. And but when you're you're sci-fi though, you don't you don't put in a bunch of high-tech stuff from NASA, right? No, 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 no. No, that's one thing that I learned working there is science changes so fast. They discover new things, you know, and the theories of how things were and came to be can 
can that seem like these are set in stone. You know, a few years later, you've done new experiments, new missions, you've learned new things. So I'm I'm more about the story, the adventure, the action, the romance. You know, my people use blasters and they have fly around in these great spaceships, but nobody explains how it works. Okay. Right. Here we go. (laughs) They just are. (laughs) That's right. And leaves me free to go off and tell the story that I want to tell and not get myself too bogged down and all trying to be scientific. It's just, it's not my thing. I admire people who can do that, but it's not my thing. Right, right. But but being in NASA, JPL, for so many years, I mean, you do pick up, you can't help but pick up, you know, how the scientists think and how people view projects and all the many pieces that go into a project. I mean, I learned incredible amounts of things working there. It was always exciting, and there's always new projects. So, you know, it was like reinventing your career many times over the course of all the years. But, you know, I miss the people. I don't miss the job because I'm so happy writing my novels. And all worked out. Right. Yeah, it really did. And it is, is sci-fi, I mean, it seems like that was sort of your other work and it's your new work. Is that is sci-fi mm-hmm. really, you know, where where you want to be? Is there any other genre you ever want to write? Well, I do write um, novels set in ancient Egypt. They're paranormal romance. So periodically, at least once a year, I take a break from the sci-fi and I write an ancient Egyptian novel. And that's it's great oh, because that's just a complete switch. You know, I'm still telling action, adventure, and romance, but it's in the world of ancient Egypt. So I love doing those. And then I have a fantasy romance series. I just wrote a second one in that series, and we'll put that out in a few weeks. So. Other than that, that's where my brain goes. If you if you gave me like a contemporary right. romance story prompt, I would find science fiction mm-hmm. or paranormal somewhere. Right. <laughs> well, wired, I know I for my for myself, yeah, I can start that it's going to be that way, but then something happens, and next thing I know, oh, yeah. it's some kind of the paranormal thing. Arrive. I. Yeah. Right. Yeah. For me, it's easier. And, and as a reader, too, as a reader, it's easier for me to believe that that um, a vampire lives next door than that a billionaire is going to fall in love with his haircut, his, his hairdresser. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. it, I don't know. That's just not how my brain's wired. So. Me, too. Well, for one of the Pets in Space anthologies, I wrote a rock star romance. I love rock star romances. I like to read them. I just don't write them, you know. But I did write mm-hmm. a rock star romance. I think that was the second one we did. And I had so much fun. But it's all in the future. It's all on my interstellar cruise ship. So I was reading an right. article in Business Week about cruises where, you know, rock stars go and their fans go and you can spend the week listening to the the band play and talking to the band members. And I oh, that would work on my interstellar cruise liner of yeah. the future. And then I was off and running. Yeah. Yeah, the pet yeah, I was bird. I was so excited I got to write a rock star werewolf book. And so his his oh, indie cool. band would never tour because they have to shift during the full moon. And his band nice. doesn't know nice. he's a werewolf. So anyway, oh, it was super fun. fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of the way I felt. It was fun. And I watched all these concert tour documentaries about current rock stars, and that was fun. And Yep. So, I mean, even if I do stay within my given genres, I mean, I still manage to have fun and write really different stories. 
along the way. So. Right. It's all good. Yeah. Well, I promised everyone at the beginning that we would talk about your your part of the audio production of Harlan Edison, Harlan Ellison's The City on the Edge of Forever. Um, because oh, you so want to be fun. a Star Trek crew member. Yes. <laughs> and and what color was your shirt? I am, a, I am a Star Trek crew member. <laughs> well, you know, this is Harlan Ellison's original script. The episode that was shot for TV is somewhat different. There are similarities, but this is much longer. And I um, backed a Kickstarter for, as best I recall now, Kickstarter for this book. They were funding to to do this as an audio book. And one of the things was that you could have a part in the audio book, Teeny Tiny. So I said, oh, my gosh, I have to jump on that because it was being recorded locally here, so there wasn't any issue that I'd have to you know, fly across the country to the studio or anything. Yeah. Right, right. So it was just, the, oh, it was the most exciting adventure. The thing about recording audiobooks, though, is you don't get to do it with the rest of the cast. So there's all these fabulous actors in this version of this Star Trek episode, but I recorded my little seven words by myself in the <laughs> studio. But it was still it was such a thrill. I got to sign the script. I got to sign the cover page of the script. So my signature's on there with all these wonderful Hollywood actors who played the other parts. And and um, well, just being sent a script was like, oh, wow, you know, it's so exciting because they sent it to me so that I yeah. could read and understand where my character fit in. So I was a security officer. I was a red shirt, but I survived. <laughs> and I said my dialogue say. to Captain Kirk and, and Mr. Spock, and I was standing right there with them. If it had been the television episode, I'd have been wearing that cute little red outfit with the skirt, you know, like Uhura, the short skirt, and I would have been in the scene yep. with Kirk and Spock. So it was just oh, it was one of the most so fun cool. things I've ever done. Yeah, and I, I put that in and my box because I'm so proud of it. <laughs> well, I can just imagine you would... get the script. Oh, I, I can just imagine you get the script and you flip through and you go, oh, my shirt is red. <laughs> yeah, at first I, I, well, I was just thrilled to have any part at all. It was so exciting. But, yeah, and then she this she doesn't have a name. I'm just a crew member, but that's okay. That's kind of the trope right. with the red shirts. They don't get to have names. Right. Uh-huh. But I read through the whole <laughs> they thing. They don't even get a name. She never dies. She never. They never say she dies. So my interpretation is that she uh, she made it through and got to go back to the Enterprise when it was all over. So I just had. Oh, so much you fun. could be the only surviving red shirt. I know. That's my theory. Yeah, there was no death scene, and the other characters that were with her at that point, they made it back. So that's my theory. <laughs> but, yeah, it was just, it told me when I was a kid watching Star Trek that I would actually get to be a red shirt. Because, you know, this is the official audio book of that production of Star Trek. So, yeah, pretty fun. So, yeah, that's super cool. I'd put it in yeah, my bio, too. <laughs> oh, I just think it's the best thing. I just, you know. I don't know. Now my next thing would have to be a cameo of some kind in Star Wars, but I have a feeling that's going to be a little trickier. <laughs> I'm not holding my breath for that one. <laughs> you never I'll know. Track. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Look for those calls for the um, stand-ins and the oh, <laughs> people know. walking through the bar. <laughs> and the other funny thing about recording an audio book, you know, the, the central chunk of my dialogue is seven words. 
so you think, well, how many, you know, it's going to take one take. Oh, no, they, the director, she was wonderful. But she had me try it so many different ways. You know, my little seven <laughs> words, I said, it really is with all different emphasis, and, you know, and then they cut and picked which, which version they wanted in the finished product of the audio book. But it's just, it was an amazing experience. So, Super yeah. cool. Well, it was fun. I have to ask, what are your favorite sci-fi movies and shows? Because well, the movie Aliens, the second, the second one in the series, Aliens, the that's my one? favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, Ripley and Hicks. Uh, it needs more romance. Everything needs more romance. But that's my favorite. And that's kind mm-hmm. of what I go for is without is so much gore and horror. But, you know, the action, the adventure, the sense of the man and the woman in this situation together and, you know, they respect each other and they back each other up. And that's kind of the Mm -hmm. flavor I go for. I also, I love the Terminator, the original Terminator makes me sad, you know, that they, they aren't together at the end, but yeah, so I'm big on the Terminator. But what a passion there for a short while. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So I can't wait to see there's a new Terminator coming out with Linda Hamilton's come back to play her part again. So I can't wait to see that. It's coming pretty soon, I think. That's more the kind of yeah, I saw, fiction. I saw the trailer. Yeah, it looks good. They all, they always look good. And it's interesting to me how they keep explaining Arnold Schwarzenegger's Terminator looking older and older and older. But they have an explanation <laughs> every time. So, okay. His yeah. robot has been through a lot. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So, so yeah, that's well, kind of movie. There on. was um, a a sci-fi TV show that I loved. Oh my gosh, called Defiance. Did you ever watch that? Oh yes, I did. I loved that one. I was sorry when it ended. Yeah, I, I was too. Joyce. But I was happy with the ending. I I, I oh, liked yes, it. I, did, I thought I liked it was really the way good. They finished. Yeah, I hate the ones where you're really invested in it. And it doesn't get the last season or whatever, and it just cuts off at a cliffhanger. Those are frustrating. Yeah. But, um, yeah. Killjoys. I liked Killjoys. That one just ended after five seasons. I was lucky enough to interview oh, I the creator and the show showrunner, um, Michelle Lavretta. I got to interview her twice. And she always had this really clear vision that it was going to, if they let her have the five years, you know, she right from the beginning, she knew exactly where it was all going to go. In the big picture, you know, not every single thing. Oh, I love that. And they finished up. They finished up beautifully, you know. They lost a few characters along the way. It's television. You can't help. You've got to have a few deaths, you know. But, yeah. Right. So that was one of my other favorite series, and I was really happy for them. They got their whole five years. So they could tell the entire story. Yeah. Right. I've heard people talk about that one. Oh, it's yeah, I haven't I haven't watched Killjoys yet, but I'm I on your recommendation, I'll give it a try. Oh yeah, it, and it builds. You know, the first season is pretty action adventurey, but it's laying the structure for everything that's going to come, and then it gets very you know, satisfyingly complex, and major things happen, and yeah, it, I love it. <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> And um, what kind of what kind of Halloween movies do you like to watch at this time of year? Gosh, Halloween movies. Well, you know, The Fog was good. That's not specifically a Halloween Ooh, movie. Ooh, The Fog but is good. It's kind of creepy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I like that kind. I like it without too much horror. Stephen King right. is a little too much for me these days, but I 
you know, right. kind of watch a few of his. So I don't like the right. slasher. I'm I'm not big on the I have a chainsaw and I'm going to slice you all up. That that doesn't do it for me. But the more subtle ones, I right? Like them. I like yeah. it when it's spooky. Did you ever see the others? I don't think I have. I'll have to look for that. Oh, look that one up. It's with Nicole Kidman, and it's this creepy old house oh, in England. Oh, yeah, I have not and, seen it. Oh, you oh. should see it. It's lots of fog and creepy old house in England, and her kids have this weird disease that they can't be in sunlight, so the blinds have to be down, so the house is always dark, and it, it was yeah, really when that good. Came out. Lots of twists and turns. Oh, I like that when there's twists and turns, and all the I like subtle you know, like mm-hmm. hints build up over the course of the movie, and and sometimes they yes. would be wondering, you know, on some parts of it. And yeah, yeah, I enjoy those. Well, I'll definitely yeah. have to look for it. I remember when it came out. Yeah, I, know, I just never got to see it. So yeah, when look at that. It's really good. Go. Worth watching. I will. Yeah, I will. there we go. I'll watch Killjoys. You watch the others. We'll okay. report back. Right. <laughs> oh yeah, we'll do a review. Good plan. <laughs> So we are actually running out of time. So before oh, no. we go, it goes by so fast. But before we go, do you, <laughs> do you have anything going for Pets in Space? Any promos people should do? Or how do you want readers to find you? Oh, my gosh. Well, I don't have it in front of me, but we do have a web page. But if you go to my blog or my Twitter, you know, right now, that's pretty much what I'm talking about is Pets in Space. So okay. you'll be able to find the links. And um, okay. we're not really running promos because, you know, we're trying to support our charity. So it's, it's out for charity, there, it's right. Price, but it's 1,500 pages of really good reading. So, yeah. So everyone yeah. go get it and help yes. out the hero dogs because they yes. are doing a great service to our military. Right. For the veterans and the first responders, giving back to them. Yeah. They've given so much. Yeah, so thanks so much for being here again. It was great to have you. It was fun. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us on Booklights. Be sure to connect with us at www.readersentertainment.com for articles, blogs, videos, and podcasts that matter to readers.